When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to remind you before we get started. What's that sound you hear coming from the trenches? It's former Minnesota Viking offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. It's time for the Tuesday morning left guard show on Purple Insider. They're too strong, my dog. You're too strong. Oh, welcome to another episode of Tuesday Morning Left Guard here on Purple Insider with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles. Jeremiah, I uh, I'm just waking up for my third nap of the day because oh. West Coast time entirely screws up your entire life. Uh, so my body is messed up. My brain is like, what is what even time is it? We had the <laughs> time change and then go to the West Coast. No one knows what's going on. Uh, but we are here and I'm excited to talk to you. So how are you? I'm doing well. It's it's deer season here in Nebraska. So I spent about 30 hours in the tree last week and planning on another probably about 12 to 15 if I can't find my buck in the morning. So not can't complain too much. Husker football's got a couple of weeks left before we can wrap that dumpster fire of a season up and just keep pining along. Now, did you when you were playing grind tape? in the deer thing in the tree because mike mike zimmer said that he watches tape while he's up in the deer stand i can believe it i mean when i was playing no because my off days were just for sleep like zimmer doesn't need the the physical recovery time for that that the players did but i've definitely i mean i'm watching tape right now when i'm in the stand i'm working for the husker game as i sit there and go through the wisconsin tape and watch how their inside linebackers are just going to feast on us but you know, yeah, I try. I try and get some work done. Send some emails. Send some texts. While you just kind of send a text, look around, send a text. <laughs> Hope nothing deer, walks by. No, yeah. deer, deer. Nah, another email. Outs- outside zone, deer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, but you're, you're getting not, it. You're getting you're not it. really football until you're watching tape in the deer stand though i oh, think that's 100%. like that, that puts you all the way up there i was gonna ask you there's a bunch of stuff i want to get to i want to play a game called what's that stat mean trying to decide whether i should use a song for what that stat mean mm. or something like that but uh what is mike zimmer like when he's losing versus when he's winning because he was talking about uh, just how miserable he is when he's losing. Mm. And then someone asked Kirk Cousins, oh, what's the difference or whatever? And he says, oh, I don't know. Or not, maybe it wasn't Cousins. Maybe it, maybe it was uh, Eric Hendricks. Like, oh, I don't know. It's all the same. Like, is it though? Is it all the same? It's not all the same with us. Uh, but I wondered just like he was in such a better mood today. He answered the phone with Deion Sanders uh, during the media call and put Dion on, you know, speakerphone and all that stuff. And it was just like, Mike, you win yesterday. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I mean, Mike was the guy when, when you lost, like you came in the next day and you'd like look around the corner before you went to the lunchroom, like in the old facility, you had to walk past all the coaches offices to get to the lunchroom. And you'd literally like, Okay, we're clear. Like you turn the corner, look down, like all right, go, 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 go. And like if you saw him come into like early morning breakfast and you were like the only one there, and you're like, ah, uh, I'm gonna go down to my locker, just scarf your food at the locker like a rat because you just didn't want to get because you knew he was gonna talk to you about it. Like the dude just loves talking ball. 
Like that's all Mike Zimmer loves talking ball, good, bad, or ugly. And I'll never forget. We were at the Christmas party in 2016 and like, we're enjoying, I'm there with my wife and we're just hanging out and he comes up and sits down next to me. He's like, what were you doing on that one rep in, in nine on seven? <laughs> and I was like, uh, what? He's like that one rep in nine on seven today. That was just bad. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's just, he just <laughs> eat it. So like, you can imagine like a guy like that, that lives ball, like when it's not going well, his whole life is just in a spiral. And then when it does go well, like everything's like, Oh, hunky dory, which is again, why I never want to coach. Like I've never met a coach that's just continuously happy all the time. Like they just live in these ups and downs and it's just, it's not healthy. It's not good for you. I was just saying this uh, to my wife after the game. It's like when you lose, you are 0 and 17. And when you win, you are 17 and 0 and they are fitting the rings. It's just like every, every you did, you won by seven points, but you did everything right. Everyone was super smart. And we try not to be that way on this show, but it's so like when you watch TV or you read Twitter or anything else, just like all, all these young players they drafted all going to be stars after <laughs> yesterday, just locks for superstardom. And when they lose, it's every single player had the worst game of all time. And, and we, like I said, we try to balance that out and uh, we'll look at some stats. I'll give you my favorite Zimmer one. So on this, on the zoom call, I joked with Zimmer and asked him, like, who's your, your best uh, person in your cell phone? Who's the most famous person in your cell phone? Which I want to know that from you as well. Mm. Uh, because Sage Rosenfels has played that with me before. And I think it's Justin Timberlake is the most famous in his cell phone. That's pretty good poll. That's pretty solid. Yeah, he said he played golf with Timberlake or something. I don't know. Who knows? Journeyman quarterbacks. But uh, so... I, I joked around with Zimmer a little bit and I got a few texts from people like, Oh, you can joke around with Zimmer. And it reminded me that we used to be able to, and we would get him mm. on the side sessions before COVID and all that sort of stuff. And to demonstrate Mike Zimmer's footballiness, I said to him once, Hey, you know, on Madden, I never punt and it works out great for me. And he said, look, I don't play any of those video games like game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. He dude, I mean, I'm telling you, he's the guy that he's going to be the Joe Pa. Like the day he stops coaching, like one week later, he just oh, his geez. brain his brain has like no reason to go <laughs> it's on. It's a function. Like it's like why am I not breaking down offenses right now? Like why aren't we talking about coverages and blitz packages? Like he just needs it like it's just lifeblood for that guy. Okay, who's the most famous person in your phone? Most famous guy on my phone's probably Post Malone. I think Post I think, Malone. I think, How'd I think you get Post that one? Malone. So I ended up meeting him through Marshmallow, who's another DJ who's also mm -hmm. in my phone. Yep. Meeting them at the Super Bowl party. I have a picture on my phone of me doing beer bongs with Post Malone and Brian <laughs> Stage uh, at the Preakness. And then I went to, he came and performed in Carolina when I was there. And I took the whole like Carolina team, like me, Cam Newton, Trey Turner, Chris McCaffrey. And we all were ripping a bunch of Bud Lights with Post Malone. So he's probably the most famous one on my phone. That's good. I mean, that's pretty impressive because it's not just you got his number randomly, but you actually like oh, hung he, like, out with him. gave it yeah. to me. And, like we hung out multiple occasions. That I would not have guessed he's a that. Strange human being. I got that impression. I'll I'll tell you this. We were at Preakness 2018, I think it was, and we're talking, and all of a sudden I look over and it's Post Malone. Bill Belichick, Brett Bielma, and Br and Bill Belichick's wife standing in a circle. And I was like, what could you for possibly 
be talking about. Maybe like, Post just, Malone grinds the tape and it's I just well, like, we his, don't know. His dad like owns part of the Cowboys. Oh, really? It's a, dude, I'm telling you, he's such a fascinating individual. Uh, this has gone in places that I didn't expect I, already. I We're seven um, minutes in, just coming in hot. <laughs> okay, so I want to play this game with you uh, about what's the stat mean. But first, I want to just get your overall thoughts on where they are now. They're four and five. They, you know, are again like getting the Lombardi Trophy ready to uh, bring it down, Nicolette, because because that's how it feels this week. As if they turned a corner here with something, they've discovered something with uh, their approach and in going to Jefferson more often as they should have been doing. And we talked about that several weeks in a row. Uh, but give give me the reasoned take on what it means to have beat the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, I've watched the chart from the beginning part of the year. I was like, holy cow, like Chargers are going to make an AFC championship run. Like they were just clicking on all cylinders. But I think it goes to show you that when you get more tape on Herbert, the smart defensive coordinators are figuring out how to stop him. And you eliminate his big threat ability with Mike Williams going down the field. You make him go 80 on you. He's going to make a mistake. Like he's proven to either not throw an, like throw an interception or take a bad sack or like you make him, especially young quarterbacks, go distance on you. And so watching that game plan, I thought that Zimmer called a really good defensive game. Like I thought defensively, probably the best defensive game he's called this year and just the mixing up of coverages, the mixing up of blitz packages, sending guys from all over the place where they never really got a beat on it. They never really understood. And then obviously they got the takeaways, which really helps too. And then you flip it over onto offense and that's a pretty good front. I mean, they got our guy Linville up there who, and they had some success, but what I loved is we really stuck to what was working for us in the running game. Like we, we didn't try and get cute. We didn't try and do too much. We just, Hey, this, this lining up in the eye formation, this running this split zone lead, it's working for us. Let's keep going, keep going. And Hey, we run play auction off the exact same set. It looks exactly the same and things are open. And I thought that they simplified some of the game plan but I also think that they executed the game plan really well. And, and there's a reason to be happy. I think it's the most complete game that the Vikings have played this year. I mean, right. in, in all phases. Yeah, I agree with that. That if it had looked like a fluky type of thing, a bounce here, bounce there, whatever, a blocked field goes, something random, mm -hmm. you would have kind of gone like, I don't know. Uh, but they earned the win. They outplayed the Chargers. They outcoached the Chargers. Yep. Their playmakers and superstars made plays. Kendricks with the interception, Jefferson with the big catches, Adam Thielen with the big catch at the end, Delvin Cook with the big run, and Kirk Cousins made a number of very, very, very good throws in this game. And uh, the offensive line struggled a bit, which we'll get into, and the defense, it wasn't like anyone had this unbelievable performance, but it was more of an altogether type of thing where they executed what Zimmer was asking them to do. And then I think you just saw an example of one coach is better than the other. And it's amazing to me how often that we are willing to, as Denny Green once said, crown them. When it comes to anybody young and cute looking who comes out in front of the media and gives the slightest analytical sounding take and that the, these people who cover the NFL, oh my gosh, Brandon Staley <laughs> is just the best. Can you believe how forward thinking and everything else? I even had the reporter on the show last week. He's a great guest, really smart guy, great writer. And he was talking about like, oh yeah, they're very forward thinking everything else. They didn't look like it in this game. And got just thoroughly outcoached. And this is what you often see happen with Mike Zimmer 
and Kirk Cousins the same way that if a, if a defense is not sharp, he'll take advantage. And Mike Zimmer, if an offense or a quarterback has a weakness, he's going to find it. And I thought that, and not only that, but his clock management and decision-making was just better than Brandon Staley. And you can win football games that way. I mean, I think sometimes these, I mean, what was it two years ago? Where it's like anyone that shook hands with McVay was getting a head coaching job. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it almost seems like sometimes these young cats come in and feel like we have to reinvent the wheel. And it happens in college too. Like it's happening in Nebraska right now. It's like, dude, just run what you've always run. Like you try and out cute yourself and you out scheme yourself when, if you look at what the most efficient run for the Minnesota Vikings was, it was literally just inside zone, cut the backside. Like, and Dalvin Cook would press it front side. The linebacker would start to overrun over the top. He'd put his foot in the ground and he'd come back because the tight end kicked out the defensive end. Six yards, eight yards, six yards, eight yards, break the long one. Right. And, and I think that when you talk about the old school coaches, they understand that a little bit more. And it's almost like these new era coaches feel like they have to be forward thinking and they have to be trendy because that's what they got hired for. Yes. And, and that's just really not the case. I mean, football is football. Like you can you can call you can call it a million different things, but at the end of the day, it's all still the same concepts. It's the same route combinations, it's the same run combinations. How you window dress it doesn't always necessarily make it better. And, and this is a point that I'll continue to make about Mike Zimmer that I think the people who want a coaching change have a very reasonable argument. And there have been times throughout this year that he's seemed a little bit behind and not as sharp when it comes to decision-making. He got out coached the week before by John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh's team didn't play as well as his team. And the Ravens came out with a win because I thought that Harbaugh made the better decisions in, in part was one of the reasons that they won. Uh, and the, you know, does he hold back the offense with philosophy and stuff like that? All those things underachieving over the last four years as a whole since 2017 all those things are fair uh, but then there are games like this where you go but the man can coach football and there are a lot of people that they think oh this guy he's going to take us to the next level mm. you know your joe judge your matt patricia your whatever whatever um that don't always change the franchise the way people think now that's not to say that they don't because sean mcdermott did in buffalo um but man they were crowning Brandon Staley earlier this year as if he was just the best thing that has ever happened to the NFL. And I thought it was like, all right, there does need to be a little break pumping after a really well-coached game there. And the other piece, too, is these old head coaches know how to watch a young coach and see what he's doing wrong. And they're mm. not going to publicly come out and say it, right? Like Mike Zimmer's not going to be like, oh, here's what Staley's doing, and I know how I'm going to beat it. Mm -hmm. Like he knows that. He knows like, okay, this coach hasn't been through the ringer like I have. He hasn't seen all the things that I've seen. And I come through, and, and it's the argument the grass is always greener, right? Like everyone, it's the same with the quarterback. And as much as we whine about Cousins sometimes, like we could be we could be stuck with Joe Flacco, right? I mean, how terrible did he look yesterday? And and you just you kind of look at it like as much as sometimes we want Kirk to be better, and we talked about on the show last week in depth, like he is who he is. He's better than a lot of the other guys in the league at times. And I think that it's okay to be critical of coaches and say, hey, yeah, we need to be better there. But you got to look around the league and go, where does he rank? Like I think Zimmer's top fifteen, top top ten, maybe maybe cracking the top ten of coaches in the NFL when he's on his best. Like when he's at his best and maybe when he's at his worst, he's at 16, 17, but it's not like Freddie Kitchen's bad, right? Like it's not like, hey, he's 32 and he's also 32. It is good and it's bad. Like, <laughs> and I think that that's something we have to keep in mind as we watch these Vikings football games. And I made the argument, if you recall, I wanted to keep him if I got to keep out of the three of Spielman, 
Kirk mm-hmm. and Zimmer. I argued Zimmer. Yes, I got emails. Some, <laughs> but I've also, but I have agreed with you on, on this. Opinion. You have. I mean, you that, have. that's. Uh, but then you know, okay. So let me get to some of these interesting stats you. because some of them pertain to Kirk Cousins, and really interesting that yesterday the theme was aggression, and mm. the big there were some big plays that were aggressive. But Sam extra pointed this out to me. And I guess it sort of went, oh yeah, I guess that's right. There were only three passes over 20 yards in that game. It was that two of them hit and mm. they were big plays. And there was another one that went 18. That was a, a really great throw by cousins as well. And so here's the first stat I want you to work with is there is one quarterback in the NFL who has a lower average depth of target. So how far down the football field he's hucking it. And that is Jared Goff is the only one who's throwing shorter passes on average than Kirk Cousins. Uh, And he has one of the highest PFF grades, but those things are tied together. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not taking the risks, you're not going to have the negative plays. Right. And so my question is for you about this statistic is, do we think that anything will change going forward in terms of this aggressiveness that Zimmer is pushing? If the bigger sample on this season is he has been as conservative with the football as Jared Goff. My argument for that would be I think that the weapons that he has are better than Jared Goff. Meaning oh, no if, question. Meaning yeah. a 10-yard slant route to Justin Jefferson that goes for 18 is more of something I'd want more of than Jared Goff throwing it to who knows, right? Like, who knows? Right. At least they're keeping it in the division. But I do think that the more the run game starts to come alive, the deeper those shots again we've talked about that the offensive line is not built to protect for the deep shot yeah the deep shots have to come off of the play action they have to come out of the move the pockets they have to come out of the max protect three-man routes type of things and so i do think with the explosiveness that we showed this last week with jefferson with Thielen, getting those guys it's going to cause teams to have to back off a little bit on the back end Safeties aren't going to be able to sit at nine or 10. They're going to have to stay at 12 to 14 because of Jefferson and Thielen if we continue this route, which then allows to open up the run game. And I think the more the run game gets opened up, the deeper the shots will come. But the problem is, I don't know how we answer it when the run game gets stopped. Yeah. And that is where you'll run into the issues of, I don't think we will keep throwing it down the field if we aren't running the football. Then you see the dink and dunks to CJ Ham. You see the dink and dunks to Conklin. And that becomes the run game, essentially. And that's where that completion thing really starts to come down because that essentially turns into the run game. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you a dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. 
You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Folks, Minnesota football is rolling along and there's no need to exhaust yourself looking all over the internet to find Minnesota football tickets anymore. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need for your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference on the purchase price. We've got some very exciting primetime games and our friends to the east in Green Bay will be making their way to Minnesota soon as well. So you want to go to TickPick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order for Minnesota football tickets. Again, tickpick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order of Minnesota football tickets. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I thought that they did run consistently, even if it wasn't breaking off big plays, that they were getting positive yards with their rushing against the Chargers. And it's just always been this way with the with cousins where everything connects to that and when it's not working it's really not working and when the run game is then there's that option there even in the game against carolina in the second half delvin breaks off a few big plays Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden those linebackers get antsy and they start flying forward and then losing everybody they're not eric hendricks who can robot around and go back they're like huh what who's playing and and you see that all the time, but if they're not afraid of that run, they just play differently. And I, I, that's, that's what we end up seeing. But I guess I'm skeptical of whether all of a sudden we start getting a bunch of deep shots to Justin Jefferson, which I think Zimmer wants those, but we saw it even yesterday where the pressure rate goes up, even just a little increase. And this is to your point, a little increase in, in trying to push it downfield. And all of a sudden he's pressured 42% of the time, as mm-hmm. opposed to 30 for the rest of the season when they haven't been doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is you see the flaws in the NFL, especially up front get exposed when that quarterback has to hold the ball for two and a half seconds. I mean, if you don't have solid offensive linemen up there, I mean, the average throw times two and two seconds, you that extra half a second, that, that extra, all of that really is what shows guys that are really good and not good. And when you got some guys up front and Mason Cole, average, Oli Uda, below average, probably. Udo, but Udo, yes. Udo, I always do that. Udo. Mo- mostly Doe after yesterday. Like <laughs> and then Simpson. O'Neal, yeah, O'Neal, elite. I, I think you could put a, an, an elite to above average. Mm-hmm. And then you go on the left side and you've got Ezra Cleveland, average to below average. And then rookie and Darisaw, who I think is going to be very good. But still, again, I don't anoint rookies kings until we need to, like I did with Jefferson. He's on the blue meter for me right now. 
but you watch these guys and you go, okay, if we want more deep shots, you have to protect. And I just don't think, I mean, Chargers front is good. Don't get me wrong, but I think we'll still face better fronts uh, this year than that team. So I'm trying to figure out where Derisaw is in the pass blocking grades because I don't know it, if he has one yet. Does he? Well, you yeah, have to he, play, you have to play like four games to get like a true grade. Don't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's I got know. a little bit of a sample here, uh, probably enough to at least get like a small snapshot of it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep I guarantee this. I guarantee you it's better than Rashad Hills. Oh yes. Rashad like, Hill was one of the five <laughs> worst the entire league. Right. So uh, we did get a couple of penalties by Connor Williams that put him ahead of Ole Udo in mm. leading the league in penalties. So congratulations to Connor Williams. Ole Udo is now second. Tell me what, <laughs> tell me what this means that Ole Udo. Well, I'll add this on too. Ole Udo is second in the league in penalties and Mason Cole has not been that bad. It's center. And when Mike Zimmer was asked about the possibility of finding a way to keep Cole on the field, hint, hint, move him over to right guard. He said, it's something we're talking about. So is that a good idea? And what does that stat mean? You know, I think that stat means that your job's been put on notice. I think when you're costing your team yards and you're costing your team's drives, because when you get a penalty, whether it be a holding a false start, any of those, those are drive killers, right? Those are what they call staying off schedule. You get off schedule and the Vikings have proven that when they get off schedule, they have a really hard time overcoming those and getting back on schedule of second and seven, third and three and live in that. And so if you're looking say, Hey, we're losing these close games. We're losing these one possession games. Like what could be the difference? Well, it could be that one drive in the second quarter that no one's really thinking about because right guard got a holding penalty and we had to punt. Right. And so those are the hidden yardage piece that when you talk about, trying a new piece there like really don't think it would make that big of a difference or could make all the difference in the world but i don't think it's any detriment so for me with how well mason cole is playing and i'm not saying he's out there i'm not not saying that he's the next alex mack but i am saying (laughs) that i do think he's serviceable but it's the same thing that we said this last year too like brett jones like i thought brett jones was serviceable and i thought he was playing better at times than dakota dozier and 100 percent drew samia but they like didn't want to put him out there and i don't know if that was denison thing or i don't know whose deal that was but i do think that this year i'm hoping they learn from that like okay let's truly get the best five out there best five group and i do think mason goals the last few weeks have played himself into a possibility with that but again center to guard it's different it's a different animal out there when you're blocking a three technique in space and pass protection so we'll have to get a sample size of that before we can say that he is better than Ole Udo. so uh Derisaw has a 56 overall pass blocking grade which is not particularly good however has only allowed six total pressures which tells me that even when he's getting beat He's not getting beat for big negative plays, which is similar to Brian O'Neill in his first season where Brian O'Neill had a pretty poor uh, PFF grade, but wasn't giving up sacks or QB hits. And people were saying, well, where's the difference? The difference is recovery. If you can figure out a way to get beat, get pushed back and find a way to keep that guy away from the quarterback. That's a good foundation to work with, I think, for Derisaw in the future. But he he did have a, a holding penalty that was pretty rough. And yeah, I thought a, kind of a tough day. Um, but you're getting your usual sort of ups and downs from him. Right. But I do think he shows, like you said, there's flashes of really, really brilliance. I mean, flashes of dude hits him with his hands, comes inside, redirects really well. And then he tries to spin out and he he, he comes back. And so for me, 
you see that and you're like, okay, he just needs more experience. Mm -hmm. And I keep having to remind myself, dude didn't play at all. Like zero preseason, zero training camp. Like this is his true test at the NFL for the first time. And it's in live bullets action with backs against the wall type Minnesota Vikings football. And to watch him in the run game and to watch him, especially in the pass game, be out there on an island against some really good rushers, Joey Bosa, and to be able to, like you said, recover. And I think one of the things that people think is it doesn't always look pretty with Derisaw. Like mm -hmm. he's hopping, he might have his hands all over the place, but he's not getting beat quick. It's not the quick misses. And Rashad Hill and even like the guys, myself, I, I, I was a guy that a lot of times were like, well, it's a quick miss guy which means like you throw your hands, TJ Clemmings, and you get knocked down and he's around the edge in a second and a half, right? Like I haven't seen that out of Derrissaw and he's really strong up top. So he, when he hits people with his hands, they gut off their track, they get out of the way. So I'm really excited about watching him grow through the rest of this year and really excited for his second year because man, you get O'Neal and you get Derrissaw, you got two really good tackles to start kind of really rebuilding that offensive line from the inside out now. All right. Next stats for what's the stat mean uh didn't come up with a theme song maybe it should be like a metal theme song <laughs> what's this stat mean uh let's see the vikings according to the website 538 <laughs> have <laughs> what's this stat mean? uh have a 42 percent chance <laughs> okay sorry Four, 40, 42 42 that's their playoff odds okay. right now um do you think that is accurate, should be higher, should be lower? And by the way, as we say this, San Francisco, we're recording this on Monday night, is leading L.A. to the point where I'm confident San Francisco is going to win that game. So it's a that might change a little. That might lower the number a little with San Francisco getting this win. Uh, but do you think that that's a good place for this? Too low, too high? I think it's I think it's basically right on right now and the reason i say that is because we have to show consistently that we can play like we did on sunday in order for that number to go up i think right now it's like we said at the beginning what is this team's record it's like well it's eight nine or nine and eight or mm -hmm. it's somewhere in there right and sometimes those teams can sneak into a wild card sometimes they can't depending on the year and so it's kind of a coin flip right and i think with us being below 500 now and having to dig ourselves out of a hole and still having to play green Bay and still having to play some of these talented teams that I think that's a good solid number for us. I think so too. And it's really not about the strength of the teams for me. It's about the number of teams. Hmm. So when you go through, so San Francisco now has four wins. They have the same record as the Vikings. We have, Carolina's five and five, then the Vikings four and five, the Falcons four and five, the Eagles four and five, now San Francisco four and five. And there's one, two, three, four, five teams with three wins. If any of those teams gets to play the Texans or something or what or plays each other, then you lose no matter what, right. because they're playing each other. And this is the hard thing about trying to come from behind. Uh, even though you know, I'm not confident that the Panthers are a good team or anything. I don't know what their schedule is like going forward, but the same goes for the saints. It's like, well, yeah, the saints could dip back, but what if, I mean, San Francisco was supposed to be a great team. What if they get hot here? What if the Eagles start, get it together and Jalen hurts plays better all He's of a sudden. Terrible. I know you're not a fan He's and that's terrible and that's fair, but they do have a really good offensive line. Yes. And they have a really good defensive line. And when you have those things, you can win some football games. So um, that number I think is right because of how tough it is. 
If they beat the Packers, though, I think that is a little bit of a different story. Uh, okay, let me give you one more. What's that stat mean? Um, Cameron Bynum is the highest graded Vikings player by PFF over the last two weeks. He got a sack. He held his own mm-hmm. in his last game. And now 166 snaps in two games. Welcome to the NFL, kid. You've played a lot of football. Uh, there have been five throws his way for 24 total yards. He's got an interception, a pass breakup, a sack. This kid, by the way, he's one where on the first introductory interview you do with him in the, the media, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, and I compared him to Anthony Harris because it just felt like a very similar type of person, very cerebral, understands defense at the NFL level as a rookie, which you don't see very often, uh, understands technique, understands tendencies. Like these are things that you just, that's just don't happen. So what do you think it means if Cameron Bynum is good for the future of the Viking safety situation? You know, I think it's really great when you have a young rising star like that, but I do, I'm curious how much has Harry had in a role in that? Right. Like sometimes when you see rookies that emerge like that, you kind of have to look at the room and go, where's he where's he getting mentored from? Like, obviously, when he came in, he had a great knowledge, but there's somewhere in that jump. But I think if you can put him up there now and I mean, how often have we talked about, oh, Harry's on the trade block. Right. Like, I mean, if is that a real thing now if you're talking about cap casualties? And I don't want it to. I trust you. I'm the first one that I don't want the hitman out of Minnesota. I don't think anyone does. But Mm -hmm. Again, we talk about how they just keep kicking the can down the road for money, and they keep kicking, and, and eventually someone's going to call the I mean, call that loan back, and he might happen to be one of those guys. I mean, even though he's the highest paid safety in the league, they might look to move him around. Folks, have you ever thought about taking a bike to work but figure it's too far or that the hills are too steep? Or heck, who wants to show up to work covered in sweat? Well, that's why you need to check out the electric cruiser bike from my friends at Boogie Bikes. The Boogie Bike gives you all the experience of saving gas, getting outside, and feeling the wind through your hair. Say if you have a haircut like that Green Bay quarterback. Uh, But you don't have to be an Olympic cyclist in order to get all those benefits. The Boogie Bike has a strong yet quiet motor, sensitive pedal assist, and a very comfortable seat for you to cruise along for miles and miles. Don't settle for a low quality bike. The Boogie Bike is built in Wisconsin using its highest quality parts from around the world. And honestly, it looks cool and goes fast. Go to boogiebikes.com, get yourself an electric bike today and use the promo code SKOL, S-K-O-L, to get $250 off your purchase and a nice basket as well. By the way, there is no risk within the first 15 days. You can try a boogie bike and boogie bikes have an industry leading five-year warranty as well. Again, go to boogiebikes.com. Check them out today. Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Foligno. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, 
Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. Yeah, I think it also could mean because of the extension for Harrison Smith, it also could mean that Xavier Woods gets a bigger offer to go somewhere else. And they say, thanks for your service for this one year. And now you're going to go play for the Jaguars for $11 million many, a year. Something how much like did he sign? Did he sign a three-year deal, Xavier it, Woods? Or was it was, it just, a, a it was just a one. Just a one year? Okay. And, thought, and for whatever reason, I thought that was a multi-year deal. That one is worked out. So uh, Tomlinson, I believe, was the only multi-year deal that they signed. Okay. And that one with Xavier Woods has worked out extremely well. They mm-hmm. haven't always, as uh, you know, Bashad Breeland, but some of them have. And the, exa- yeah. <laughs> and the Xavier Woods uh, certainly has. So I want you to tell me one thing before we do love to see it, hate to see it. You played in the very first game, or at least you were there. I don't know if you're active or got on the field, but for the very first game at U.S. Bank Stadium with the yes, Packers, Packers 2016. When Sam Sam Bradford came in slinging that thing. Yes, his first game. And there's a funny story behind that. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell it or not. Let's just say that Zimmer was really upset with us for reporting that Sam Bradford was going to start. And, I remember that. And then Mike McCarthy got on the the, the call with us and go and we were like so you know what do you think about this uh they're not announcing their starting quarterback and he goes yeah it's gonna be sam bradford <laughs> like what are you mad at us for be mad at mike mccarthy for already knowing so yeah that was funny that was I mean, like my my second week on the job so the first week teddy got hurt and then the second week zimmer was really upset at us for reporting that so well i mean everyone watched sean hill get wheelchaired out there against tennessee <laughs> and was like oh yeah bradford's for sure playing Wheelchair. i mean dude he came off the sideline he pulled his calf like running five yards for a first down we're like I remember that like, run he was like oh, he's like pulled my calf i was like oh my gosh you're like my dad <laughs> like you're like my 40 year old dad running around out here like there was no obviously bradford was going to start like it wasn't a secret it was the worst kept secret in the Mm -hmm. nfl yeah so this is this is also just you know some flooding back memories but i remember reading an article by someone i've had on the show who is really smart and really good but this take was not great when they made the trade for bradford the reason that this person did not like it was they said that Sean Hill had a higher quarterback rating for his career than Bradford. And I was like, Sean Hill will die on the field. (laughs) If he play, if he attempted to play 16 NFL games, he will not survive it. No chance. No chance. No chance, dude. Like he's a three, he's a three game max guy. Like three games. Get me out of here. My check still clears. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Going to go watch Paw Patrol with my children. Uh, one of my favorite Sean Hill things was the throw that he made to Diggs in that game was unbelievable. Like it was just this incredible dime. And it was like, football is so weird. And you know, you have all these quarterbacks who are like six, five and run four fours. And they're just like Adonises. And here's Sean Hill. Like you said, he's your dad. He smokes cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. And he's just like, he throws the ball stupid. And then he just is like, mm, let's see, I'm playing this game where I'm throwing all to running back checkdowns. And then here's an unbelievable dime. Like, 
I'm an NFL quarterback, everyone. Well, I mean, if you recall, the Titans, our Vikings defense scored more points than the Vikings offense that day. Like, that was so bad. That was such a shit show. Oh, sorry. You're fine. That was, that was, that that one was so bad. So, so bad. It's a tough watch. Yeah. Thanks, Marcus Mariota, for the screen pass to Eric Kendricks. (laughs) Otherwise, they win that game. But that one pass, go look it up. Go find the tape when you're in the deer stand. That one pass to Diggs down the sideline is freaking amazing. it. It was unbelievable. Like, Okay, you're man, old man quarterback, Steve DeBergs of the world. Love uh, so I don't even know if there was a point to that. Oh, I actually wanted you to tell me what it was like that game, the 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 opener, because that was really incredible to beat Aaron Rodgers. Zimmer's defense was amazing that night. Sam Bradford came through the I think first touchdown to Kyle Rudolph, the throw to Diggs off a of play action. I mean, it was really something to be in that building that night. Yeah, I mean, I just remember how the juice, I mean, everyone was so excited. We were coming out playing that college stadium for in TCF, and our last game there was the heartbreaker to Seattle. And, like, to get into, like, what felt like our own place, like, to get in and the idea of, like, defend your home turf, defend home field advantage. And that place is seriously one of the loudest NFL stadiums I've been in. Like, some of the new ones might rival that, but mm-hmm. when I was in the NFL, like when we played in, in Minneapolis and we heard the purple army going, like there's nowhere that gets that loud inside. Maybe I never played in the dome, but that was, it felt like a college atmosphere to me and not a lot of NFL places feel like that. A lot of NFL kind of feel like sit on your hands and drink mm-hmm. your coffee and like, <laughs> but like that place gets rowdy. The fans get rowdy and, going out there and getting that first win just kind of really set the tone for what that place was going to be. And I think that getting that first win helped that culture of what it can actually be because the fans played a huge role in that. I mean, there's a couple delayed games in there. There was yeah. them, anytime Rogers would try and check, like he's trying to run around and the place is just erupting and the fire. No, there's no fire anymore. Right. Did they, the fire still out or did we bring the fire back? Oh, yeah. That's a whole thing. No, they're trying everything to make it look cool, but no, Tennessee, Tennessee blew it. Something caught on fire in Tennessee. I think it was a speaker and they banned all pyrotechnics, which is ridiculous. Dude, when that That, thing, that that, that dragon, dragon, no one's allowed to cross the road because one guy got hit. Yeah. (laughs) That dragon that would breathe fire was sick out of the, 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 yeah. So anyways, that place is awesome. I love TC. I love that place. U.S. Bank stadium was amazing. Um, it's still one of my favorite NFL places ever. Yeah, that night uh, I had never heard anything that loud in the entire time covering sports. Mm-hmm. Just that yeah. simple, like where Not you're far. like ear bleeding. Um, so let's just do a quick love to see it, hate to see it. We might be on the same team with love to see it because uh, PJ Walker got a win as the starting quarterback for Carolina. I followed his career in the XFL. I'm telling you, PJ Walker can play. I know that they're going to play Newton when he's fully ready to to, to get in there. But PJ Walker is a decent NFL quarterback who have a long career. And I love when that happens. I love when there's an XFL guy and you're watching and you're like, this guy's actually good. He went five and zero in the XFL was the best player in the league. And now he gets a chance and it's not like he played an amazing game, but he came in, got a win against the Cardinals. So good for you, PJ Walker. Why they traded for Sam Darnold when they had PJ Walker. I don't know. Hey, uh, <laughs> pj walker out there killing it um my my love to see it is for sure watching that kick from detroit and just how terrible and just watching the faces like at this point i kind of want them just to keep losing because you just watch it and you're like man 
it can't get any worse. Like it's not a hate to see it. Like you don't you don't really hate to see it because it's one of those things like the train wreck you can't look away from. Like, oh my gosh, that train's gonna hit that person. Like you just stare it down until it hits the person. <laughs> like watching that Steelers Lions game, you were just like, this is amazing. Like just Mason Rudolph versus Jared Goff. It's just how terrible that game was. Like I loved watching that game because I was just laughing the entire time. I just wanted to know what we did to deserve that. I mean, that was just <laughs> shameful. Like, how how is this? I mean, every year, isn't it funny how every year at the start of the season, we're like, man, like 28 teams got good quarterbacks. Yeah. Halfway through, you're like, who's playing anymore? <laughs> 16 to 16 so in bad. the fifth quarter. Dude, try, <laughs> you're running a two-yard out route to get a two-yard closer field goal, and you fumble. You just... <laughs> Fumble the football at eight seconds left. How about Najee Harris? I didn't know we could tie. Who doesn't know you can still tie in the NFL? I don't care if you're a rookie or not. Like, there's been enough of them over the last few years. Like, you got, do you live under a rock? Like, did Nick Saban <laughs> not allow you to watch football, like pro football? Like, nothing but Alabama football when you're here. Like, come on, you got to be better than that. Yeah, you do hate to see that. Um, That's bad, dude. That's just bad, bad, bad optics. Okay, I'll offer one more, just real quick. Okay. Is uh, you love to see when you just don't know in the AFC who's going to win anything. Mm. Like I like. I mean, there are twelve teams that are five hundred or better in the AFC. I think it's fun. I think that for so long it was like Peyton Manning, Roethlisberger, Tom Brady for our entire lives in the AFC, and now you're like, and then it was Mahomes. And so you just knew who was going to be there and all the other teams didn't matter. Sorry, Chad Pennington, your jets <laughs> and your dolphins don't matter here. Uh, and now it's uh, everyone has a chance. It's fun. I'll do uh, one more quick. Love to see it. Mac Jones, just killing it. Just absolutely killing it up there with old Billy B and just having his way and being playing damn near perfect football. I mean, not not like he's not out there lighting up for 400 yards, but he's just mm -hmm. delivering touchdown strikes, not turning the ball over and playing just really good football. He is the most comfortable NFL quarterback coming from college that I can remember in recent years. Mm, facts. Uh, I, yeah. Facts. Um, and that one, I am I'm not doing the thing because the during the draft, I said, I, you know, maybe the Vikings should have just taken him because he's there and he's a first round quarterback. And a lot of people overestimate their ability to analyze quarterbacks going from college to the NFL. I think it's impossible. If it's the, you, you can only know if the guy has NFL talent, but you can't know if it's going to work. And sometimes it's the fifth, fifth drafted quarterback. Who's the best one like Lamar Jackson. So I don't Dak know. Pres Dak Prescott. Yeah. Fourth oh, round. Smack my mic. But you, if you want one, you take one and it's unusual that it's past the first round that they work out. So you just take the guy and you don't overestimate your own ability to figure out if he's going to be good or not. So it wasn't that I watched him in Alabama and I said, oh, you know, that three-step drop, uh, he's really mastered it. It was, no, it's just like, I don't know. And times where I've tried to know and, and done like a ton of research, I came up with Josh Rosen. <laughs> good job. I'm more good, right good by job. going, I don't know. <laughs> um, my hate to see it. I'm going to dip into college football here. Mm. Oklahoma, Texas, man, you make this big announcement that you're going to the SEC and you're going to go shock the world down there. You hide Sarkeesian and, and you just get pooped on by Kansas and Baylor. 
I mean, Kansas and Baylor, boy. Yeah. I mean, they're that's like Kansas's first road win since like Nam, right? Like they haven't <laughs> they haven't won on the road since Nam, and they go in to beat Texas, and nah. then and then you got Baylor who's just uh, rubbing it in Oklahoma's face, and now you have all the Oklahomans that are like, well, this might be okay because now we'll get to re avenge ourselves in the Big Twelve, and we'll still make the playoff. No, you're out. You're done. Yeah. See you, Norman. Goodbye. Well, I'm, I'll just go all love to see it's here to wrap this up. Just to counter that point, Lance Leipold, I covered him in Buffalo. The guy knows what he's doing. I mean, yeah. Buffalo was an atrocity of a program. <laughs> I mean, so bad. And then like they, they had Khalil Mack on their football team, mm-hmm. actual Khalil Mack, the real person, and they couldn't win anything. And he's on their team. He's like throwing Mac players all, two at a time away and sacking the quarterback and getting fumbles and interception, everything else. And they still couldn't win football games before Lance Leipold totally turned them around, made them one of the best teams in the Mac consistently. And so I'm not surprised that Kansas got a little fight in them. Dude. He almost beat Ohio state single-handedly like that first That's, half of a yes. Buffalo Ohio state was like, you watched it. You're like, yep. First round, probably first overall pick like this legendary single-handedly beating an entire football team right now. I, I was working in that game and I was like, who is this? Like what <laughs> yeah. the Hulk has showed up at this game. Like did one of Ohio state's players secede? <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. All right. Great stuff. As always Tuesday morning, left guard. We do it every week and I'm looking forward to it after green Bay. Jeremiah, mm. you endure, enjoy your deer stand yes. and uh, uh, grind some tape in there. And we will talk again soon, sir. That's the plan. Skull.